Okay, we're going to be reading Luke 18, 35 through, through uh, we're going to go to 19. So we're going to go Luke 18, 35 through Luke 19, verse 10. Yes, you can stand. <laughs> then it happened as he was coming near to near Jericho that a certain blind man sat near the road begging. And hearing the multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before him warned that he should be quiet. But, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought, brought to him. And when he had come near, asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, gave praise to God. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was, uh, was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, you are the Lord of the harvest, the one who transforms hearts. It's to you we pray. Lord, I pray that we would lift your name on high this morning. We would remember that you are marvelous in all your ways. Father, we ask that you would create in us a clean heart, ready to serve you the remainder of our days. And as we open your word this morning, make clear, Lord, what you would have us to know. Teach us and show us your glory. Reveal your ways to us that we can walk closely with you. We ask, Lord, that you would increase our faith. See that we trust you with all of our heart. And I pray that we become a people who hunger and thirst for your righteousness. A people whose hearts are set toward pleasing you. Father, this morning I pray that we would do more than simply desire a good seat. A good chair, if you will, here this morning to see Jesus. Instead, I pray we desire to be used by Jesus, for his glory, for his kingdom, for his name's sake. Lord, we recognize that you 
have the words of life. I pray right now that we would come and receive these wonderful words of life that you've given to us. And by them may we walk in boldness, knowing that your words are abiding in us. So Father, we ask you this morning that you would have your own way in us. Father, that's our prayer. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. A reminder of our theme here for the month of December. Have we forgotten? Have we forgotten? Last week we talked about the importance of why Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of whom? The devil. Yeah. He came to destroy the works of the devil. We look at 1 John chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19. And we're going to see that Jesus has come. And we ought not forget that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Right out of the gate, it's important we understand this. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It's hard to read Luke 19, isn't it? And not think of that song, Zacchaeus. You remember the song, right? Zacchaeus was... You can sing it with me if you want to. A wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree... And he said, remember what he said? Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. Hard to get past the song when you get to Luke 19. There's a lot of good things about that song. We can trace truths from the scriptures in that song, except for the fact, and I have to admit, this is quite disturbing to me, the more I thought about it this week. The song only takes you to Luke 19, verse 5. If you're following it in the text, the song only gets you to verse 5. It gets you to the point where Jesus calls Zacchaeus out of the tree, tells him he must come to his house. The song doesn't share verses 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. That's where the transformation happens. See, Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, he becomes Zacchaeus, the Christ follower, in word and deed. The song has Jesus calling Zacchaeus out of the tree and inviting himself over to the wee little man's house. Right? Can you believe that the song left out the salvation declaration of Jesus? Imagine teaching this song to a child and not getting to the events at Zacchaeus' home. The song is primarily about Zacchaeus. But the text is primarily about Jesus. What he did and what he still does today. Now, I'm not a songwriter, but I gave it a shot this week at finishing the song. I had hopes for completing the story of Zacchaeus. I imagined my own children, as I was thinking about finishing this song, I imagined my own children around, smaller ones especially, 
seated around, and I wanted to make sure that they understood the thrust of the passage. You see, we tend to emphasize the smallness of the man. I mean, the song, doesn't it emphasize the we aspect of this man? Little guy. We tend to think about Zacchaeus, and we think not only that he's small, but we also notice he's a chief tax collector, and we also notice that he's rich, and we remember that sycamore tree, don't we? See, there's certain parts of the story that just stick. But what about the wonderful change that happened in his life when Jesus came into his heart? So here we go. Bear with me. So he hurried on down till his feet hit the ground. With joy he led the way. But the people stood round with great big frowns, wondering, why is he going that way? Wasn't long until the wee man stood, giving testimony to the Lord. Look, Lord, to the poor, I give my goods. Money's no longer sticking to me. And the coin I made from all false exchange, four times I will restore. And with a smile on his face, Jesus speaks to him. Salvation has surely come. And this wee little man, our little lost man, came to know the Lord that day. From a tax collector's booth to a sycamore tree to a sinner set free by grace. A sinner set free by grace. That's the rest of the story. Well, yeah, yeah, thank you. To the Lord. That's the rest of the story. That's 6 through 10. We must not forget the remainder of the story. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was what? Let's try it again. That which was lost. I want you to hold that thought. I'm going to rewind in Luke's gospel to chapter 5. Jesus is teaching in Luke 5 by the lake of Gennesaret. And the crowds have pressed in. They've pressed in. Of all things, what are they pressing in to do? They're pressing in to hear the word of God. That's instructive. We all need to be doing that today. And Jesus on this occasion in Luke 5, he's using a boat because there's so many people, they're, they're around the shore, and so he gets in a boat, and that's his pulpit for that day. And after preaching to the crowd, he then turns his attention to Simon Peter in the boat, and he instructs him to throw his net out for a catch. And Peter does, because the Lord says so, he does. And do you remember what happens? All kinds of fish jumped into that net. So many fish, Simon had one of his partners come over and load up the fish in his boat. So many fish that both boats started sinking. And it was about this time that Simon begins to notice this large discrepancy between Jesus and himself. And remember the text says there in Luke 5 that he falls down at his feet and worships Jesus. Right there in the moment. Right there in all those fish in the net. And the text says that they were astonished at a great catch of fish And I'm sure they were eyeballing all those flip-flopping, tail-spinning gill breathers. And they were saying to themselves, glorious fish. Man, we are set for a long, long time. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, in the midst of their state of wonder over what Jesus did and the loads of fish weighing in the boats, the words of Jesus then land on their ears. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch what? Men. Now, the text doesn't give us a whole lot else of what he says other than from now on, you're going to catch men. Imagine how many times the men recycled those words in their memory banks as they made their way even to shore. And then the closure of Luke 5, that passage. The text says that they brought their boats to shore. They forsook all and followed Jesus. They forsook all and followed Jesus. If we're going to be catching men, we'd better follow Jesus. And the emphasis shifts in the text. Are these guys going to follow the fish? Or are they going to follow Jesus? Fishing industry? Disciple making industry? What's it going to be? The decision is made once they get to shore. They dropped their nets, forsook it all, followed him. You see, a new sense of urgency compelled them now. From now on, they were going to be a part of something greater, something more captivating, something more compelling. They were going to participate in catching men. You see, Jesus caught these fishermen in Luke 5. And Simon and the sons of Zebedee, they would come to understand what it is to catch other men for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Have you ever experienced in your life that sense of urgency as it pertains to following Jesus? When it comes to following Jesus, has there ever been a decision-making moment, a stake-in-the-sand declaration that you are walking in his steps, making your life count full-time for Jesus? Zacchaeus is caught in the grace net of Jesus in Luke 19. Do you see it? He's caught in that grace net of Jesus. The same urgency lands with full weight when you read this account in Luke 19. It doesn't take long, notice. It doesn't take long in the presence of Jesus before the past gets laid out on the table. And it doesn't take long for Zacchaeus to chart a new course for his days ahead. A sense of urgency compels Zacchaeus to stand and testify. But I ask, what brings him to Jesus? Why does Zacchaeus want anything to do with Jesus? The text doesn't tell us exactly. When you look at the Bible, though, and you read the Bible, you see Zacchaeus just seems to pop on the scene here in Luke 19, verse 1, and then he leaves the scene in verse 10. We're introduced to him, but we don't know Why exactly on this day when Jesus is passing through Jericho en route to Jerusalem, en route to Jerusalem, en route to Jerusalem, that's a big idea. He's going to Jerusalem. Why is he going to Jerusalem? He's about to die. It's his time. He's en route to Jerusalem and he passes through Jericho. We don't know why it is. That this man Zacchaeus 
sought to see. That's what the text says in verse 3. He sought to see who Jesus was. Here's what we do know. Jesus is approximately 7 to 10 days away from the cross. If you notice in Luke's gospel, the triumphal entry, you see that there in Luke 19, the end of 19. He's one week away from the cross at that point. The account of Zacchaeus is at the beginning of 19. And why is that so important? I believe the context helps us understand a few things here. Zacchaeus, you see, sought to see who Jesus was. He climbed up in that sycamore tree that he might see Jesus. And the question comes, why does he want to see Jesus? Why does a chief tax collector, come on, why does he want anything to do with Jesus? When you know that this account comes at the end of Jesus' ministry, you, you piece together that Jesus has been at work healing, preaching, teaching for now over two years. Zacchaeus has no doubt heard the news, for the fame of Jesus' name is widespread at this point in the Gospel of Luke. And I wonder if Zacchaeus heard the story about a colleague of his, um, uh, one named Matthew, or as it's said here in the in in book of Luke, Levi. Turn, if you will, to, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, the end of Luke chapter 5, near the end. Uh, look with me at verse 27. If you have your Bible, it's actually okay, and it's good, and it's the right thing. If you want to turn your Bible there to Luke 5, verse 27, you can read it with me, okay? It says, after these things, he, that's Jesus, he went out and he saw a tax collector. Well, that's uh, something in common with this one we're talking about in Luke 19. Jesus sees a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew, sitting at the tax office. So he meets him at work, his own workplace. Imagine Jesus meeting you at your workplace. Hopefully you're doing your work well. And he said to him, follow me. That's all we've got. Two words. Follow me. What's he do? So he left all, rose up, and followed him. That sounds a lot like what we read in Luke 5, verse 11. With the guys, when they pulled their boats up to shore, they forsook all, followed him. That's what happens here with Levi. He left it all. Rose up, followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast. Where? In his own house. Whether we're going to see something happen in Zacchaeus' own house here in just a moment. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others. So it's colleagues, his workers, other sinners joined him. Sat down. And their scribes and Pharisees complained. You know what? These are the same folks, same party. We're going to see a complaining group in this text in Luke 19. It's interesting. The parallels here. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why has Jesus come? He's come to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. He's come for the sick. He's not come for those who think they're already well. Reading the text, I believe we can agree together that this man Zacchaeus in Luke 19 is determined to see Jesus in spite of the obstacles. If you read the text, there are two pretty plain obstacles, aren't they? The crowd, 
He couldn't get to him because of the crowd. And what else? The weeness of the man. The smallness of the man. He's a little guy. His stature. Zacchaeus is curious. He's read the press clippings and he's heard the word circulating in the streets about this man Jesus. And perhaps he was privy to the Levi party that happened some time ago. He'd heard all about Levi dropping his good paying job as a tax collector to follow Jesus. He left it all to follow Jesus. And I'm sure he might have been asking himself, what's so special about this man Jesus? Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. He wanted to observe for himself. He wanted to draw his own conclusions. And I see here a driving curiosity from Zacchaeus to see if Jesus really is who everyone says he is. After all the reports swirling around town, Jesus has made a lot of lives better. He's healed the paralytic. He's straightened up the woman who couldn't stand up. He's cleansed ten lepers. And just recently, on his way to Jericho, he made a blind man see. See, the people who've been around Jesus have been drastically changed. I need to see this Jesus. Anybody else have those thoughts, ideas about wanting to see Jesus, wanting to be around Jesus, wanting to know, curious Well, when you read the text, you notice that Zacchaeus did, in fact, see Jesus. But that's not the emphasis of the text. The weight of the text shifts to what Jesus sees in verse 5. When Jesus came to that place, that place would be the sycamore tree where Zacchaeus, our wee little man, is in the tree. He's looking, waiting for Jesus to pass by. The text says that Jesus looked up. And saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. See, Zacchaeus was interested in seeing Jesus and hanging out in the tree that he might see him passing by. Jesus comes by with the crowd gathered around him and he stops at the tree. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus. He sees Zacchaeus. He talks to Zacchaeus. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he would be handed over to be crucified. And yet he makes the time to stop and speak with Zacchaeus. Notice it's not a, uh, one of these imperial wave of the hands. And I keep on going. It's not just a simple acknowledgement that he's in the tree. Jesus uses words. And the first words out of his mouth had to have startled the wee little man. Zacchaeus! Don't miss it. Don't miss it in the text. He calls him by his name. Do you think Zacchaeus expected to hear his name? I don't. Simple, basic relational skills, right? We talk to people, we talk to our children, addressing people by their name. Something happens when you hear your name called. We like it. There's there's an aspect of it. We like to hear our name called. Jesus calls the tax collector in the sycamore tree by his name, and Zacchaeus is listening. 
The invite is put forward in the text right here. A little backwards it might seem. Looks like Jesus is inviting himself into the home of Zacchaeus. You ever had someone invite themselves over to your house? A little awkward, isn't it? You may have been there before. Hopefully you've never done it to someone else. It's one of those moments where we see in the text, there's just a little bit of awkwardness here. But it does work. Jesus says, hurry on up. Climb down out of the tree. I have an appointment with you at your house today. And notice the response in verse 6. Zacchaeus makes haste, comes down. I love this. He receives him joyfully. Now that joy is quickly tempered in the text when you move on to verse 7. But when they saw it, I'll even read it as it's appearing. When they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can't you just hear him saying this? Well, it's important as we read the text, we identify the they. When they saw it, they all... Who are the, who's the they? Let's go backwards in the text to verse 3. He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the what? The crowd. The crowd. All kinds. It's a mixed bag of folks, I'm sure, in the crowd. They complained. The crowd complained. You see, they thought Jesus was making a wrong turn. And it reminded me of how many times... I'm on the court, and I, I make a call on a play, and the crowd complains. Do you imagine that? They complain. Quite often they complain. They tend to make it a habit to complain. They oftentimes think that we have made a wrong turn in making such a call. Well, the people in Jericho this day have an agenda for Jesus, and it doesn't include spending time with Zacchaeus. Have you ever had an agenda for another person? Complained about what they chose to do? Ever had someone else try to impose their agenda on you? Imagine sitting as judge and ruler over who Jesus is spending his time with. The crowd failed to remember that Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know, verse 7, when we read verse 7, it, it ought to cause each one of us for just a moment to pause because it's really convicting. How often have we either verbalized or internalized our heart toward sinners? I was reminded in Luke 6, 31, that golden rule passage, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And then he follows that up in a few verses and says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Love your enemies, do good, lend, 
And it says he's kind, the father. He's kind to the unthankful and evil. Let me ask you a question. How is it that God is kind to the unthankful and evil? Is it not through his instruments? The hands and feet here on earth, me and you. He's kind to them through us. That's the way it's supposed to work. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Are you seeking out or are you avoiding those who are lost? Who's the last person, church, you've spoken to about the things of Jesus Christ? If you can't come up with anything... Perhaps that's a good starting point for your coming before the Lord in prayer. Because, friends, that's what we're to be about. Connecting, relating to those who are lost, that they might know who this Jesus is. That they, too, might be curious to find out more about Jesus. Have we forgotten who we once were? If you need a reminder of who you once were, read Ephesians 2, 1, 2, and 3, please. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It speaks about how we were once dead and we have been made alive in Christ Jesus. Had it not been for what we sang about earlier, this amazing grace, had it not been for God's amazing grace, we would still be lost. Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. But it's interesting that Jesus desires to have relationship over the table in his home. He desires to penetrate the heart. He desires to give life to the full. That's why I ask you this morning, do you, do you simply want to see Jesus? Do you just want to show up and hear his name preached? Do you just want to learn about him? Do you just want to accumulate knowledge of who he is? Jesus wants so much more for you than to be a data collector of religiosity. I was thinking of John's Gospel 14, 23, and Jesus is answering that question that Judas, not Iscariot, Judas has regarding how, Lord, are you going to manifest yourself to us in these days ahead? And he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Listen to this next part. And we, we will come to him and make our home with him. We're going to come and we're going to abide and we're going to make our home with this one. You see, Zacchaeus was content to simply see Jesus from a distance. He was okay hanging out in the tree to observe him passing by. He was curious. He just wanted to see Jesus. I think Zacchaeus was in for more than he bargained for this day in Jericho. As we think about this, I think there's some... Wonderful application for us. Jesus is stopping at the tree. Imagine him stopping at the tree. And he's calling you all. He's calling his church to get down out of the tree and to make haste. And he's saying, I'm coming over and I desire to move into your life. Complete renovation is in order. How many of you have seen any of those house makeover shows? You like those where it's the before and after, where the, the first part just looks like junk, and the second part looks like, wow, that's amazing. Come over to my house, you can do that too. 
here. We've got a garage that can be cleaned out. You can do it in here in the garage. You know, we see these things, and we're amazed by the makeover, the change. As we think about this, imagine Jesus speaking to his church, saying essentially, I want to tear down those cracked walls, and, and I want to rip up that old shag carpet that you've got. I want to replace the shingles on your roof where you're leaking. You've been, you've been getting wet, and you don't even know it. That floor needs some work, too, while you're at it. And those windows, far from being energy efficient, we need some more windows in that home. I also need to look under the flooring. Seems like you've been living on a faulty foundation, friends. The Lord wants to come and restore and renovate completely. He wants to make his home in us. He doesn't want to just have us know about him. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to move in completely. Notice what happens when this passage comes to a close in verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I sense excitement right here. I sense joy. The same joy that he was received. Remember, he received him with joy. I, I still see this joy right here. Look, Lord. I anticipate they're gathered around the table in his home. They've been eating and drinking, perhaps, having conversation. And it's like out of nowhere, Zacchaeus pops up. And, like, and he addresses this to whom? To the Lord. Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. When Jesus has made a difference, what happens? I give it to you in one word. Testimony. Testimony. When Jesus has made a difference in your life, testimony happens. That's what we've got right here. Testimony. He's saying, first of all, I'm using these resources differently now, Lord. He's also saying, those I've cheated... When the text says, by the way, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, it's not if as in if I did. He's saying, no, I have. I've cheated a bunch of people. That's what chief tax collectors did. Oftentimes they cheated people. Since I cheated people out of their money, I'm going to restore it fourfold. So what is he testifying to? I believe what we see here is transformed. This first part of his testimony is he's talking about how his giving now is transformed. His transformed giving. A heart changing now about the resources that he has at his disposal. How is he going to now use his resources the Lord has given to him? He's going to give them to the poor. What else? Not only transformed giving, but transformed living. Because what I see here in the text is a heart that's changed Toward other people. These people that he's wronged, he's going to make it right. That's what Jesus does. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, you start thinking differently about the stuff you have, you start thinking differently about the relationships you have, you start thinking about the brevity of life, and you want to get both of these things right because of Jesus. You see, when Jesus changes your life, it's, it's no longer the same 
the Spirit of God moves like a mighty rushing river in your heart and you begin wanting what he wants. You begin storing up treasure in heaven, not so much concerned about treasures here on earth. You no longer see people the same because you no longer see Jesus the same. We treat people differently now because we have Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are new. Who can stand and testify to the changes taking place in your life? Can it be said of you today, salvation has come to your house? The text says, today salvation has come to this house because he also, he also, this chief tax collector, he also, hey, listen, crowd, listen, those who might be nearby, I want you to know something. He also is a son of Abraham. What's that all about? Galatians chapter 3 gives us a little picture into this. Galatians 3 verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. I love this. Listen, Paul says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. We could continue and say there's neither short nor tall, right? Zacchaeus is a wee little man, but this is for him to and the last verse there in 29 of Galatians 3, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. If you're Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. A great rescue happened in the home of Zacchaeus. And we know it happened because of the change that followed. A chief tax collector wee little man. He now leveraged his resources for the Lord. He now has a heart for the poor just as his heavenly father has a heart for the poor. You see, our desires, our wants start lining up incrementally more and more. It's called sanctification, by the way. As we are growing in Christ, we are maturing in Christ. We start acting, we start doing, we start speaking a lot more like Jesus. Amen, that's the way it should be. If you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for 20 years and there's no fruit, there's no evidence, today would be a good day to begin by just going before the Lord and repenting of that very thing and saying, today, I want to make salvation real in my house, in my home, my vessel right here. Lord, come and abide in me. I hope and pray it's your desire to see the same kind of change. This story of Zacchaeus is truly not about Zacchaeus. It's about what Christ is doing in Zacchaeus. He now wants to make right with all the people that he's cheated out of money. And he isn't, notice, he's not just paying them back the amount that he cheated them. He's giving them back four times what he cheated them. Four times. So we do a little simple math. If he owed you $20, he's not going to give you back 20. He's going to give you 20 times four. That's $80. Wow. Well, what's that mean? Well, it tells me that he's really serious about this. 
It tells me he's very serious about restoring relationship. Friends, in Christ, we too ought to be very serious about restoring relationships that have been broken. Getting those relationships right. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The encounter Zacchaeus has with Jesus changes his life. And friends, when Jesus comes into your heart, nothing remains the same. You'll never be, as the song says, you'll never be the same again. If you find that your life is the same as what it was when you were an old creature... Something's not happening. Something's not right. Spirit of the Lord's not moving. You know, step one, step one is recognition. Closely followed by recognition is repentance. Turning to God in faith and then being on the course of doing works befitting a repentant life. I didn't make those up. That's what the Apostle Paul did all throughout the Mediterranean. Carry those in my pocket. You can carry those in your pocket. Okay, I took them from Paul. That's what he did. That's the same message he gave to the people in the Mediterranean as he traveled. Others are going to recognize that you've been with Jesus, as it says in Acts. Remember when they saw the apostles? You know, these ordinary people. But they knew they'd been around Jesus. So from a tax collector's booth to a sycamore tree to a sinner set free by grace. A sinner set free by grace. On the way to the cross, yet another sinner is set free by the Savior who came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your good word. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for these few verses in Luke 19. Lord, it's very instructive for us. We see another purpose and reason for why you sent your son Jesus here to earth. You sent him here that he would seek out and save those who were lost, those who were sick. Father, we thank you that you did that with us. As we were walking our own path and going our own way. Lord, you found us. You stopped us. You turned us around. You got our attention. You filled us with joy. Father, perhaps some this morning have lost that joy for some reason, have forgotten our first love, perhaps. Father, I pray this morning that you would renew, refresh, re-energize, Remind us this morning of what you've done. Remind us, Lord, this morning, just like what we see here in Zacchaeus. Remind us that when you have made a a difference in our life, when you've changed our lives, the result of that is testimony, a standing and speaking. But, Lord, it's also a transformed living. Zacchaeus laid out his past and desired to restore these broken relationships. 
And Zacchaeus also declared in his testimony his path for moving forward that he was going to give half of his goods to the poor. And Lord, for some of us in here today, it may not be our money necessarily. It may be something else. But Lord, I hope and pray that we would see that there's a declaration needed, a proclamation to you, a getting right with you about the things you've given to us. Help us understand and realize these things here are not our own. That we are called to be channels and conduits to pass these things along to others that they might see Jesus. Oh Lord, I pray this church would desire to see Jesus. There would be a great curiosity to know the things of Jesus. But Lord, more than that, I pray there would be a great curiosity to live out the things of Jesus. To tell other people about the story. I love to tell the story. May we be a people that love to tell your story. Father, I pray there would be great evidence, great fruit of our love for you, our love for Jesus. May the name of Jesus go with us at all times. May your word abide in us. And as it abides in us, Lord, your words are going to be readily available on our lips to speak. Give us a heart, Lord, I pray, to tell others about Jesus and to live a life that matches what we talk. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word in Luke 19. Pray that you would move us, move us, that we might please you with our lives the remainder of our days. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.